good people what's good what's good welcome to another episode of the leader set trends podcast i am your host aisha thomas and i am so always excited to be here with you today all right you if you haven't been following the series that i've been doing a couple episodes i've been talking about how leadership is connected to a lot of the things that we experience as children. I mean, very fascinating information about the experiences in our, what I call our bubbles, you know, those first spaces and places we were at as adolescents, how they play into how we lead and show up today. And even for those aspiring leaders out there, this information is so powerful. Why? It's because this is the information you need as you're entering into a leadership role or transitioning to their leadership role. You know, they always say like, you want to be in that space where you've made mistakes, but now you can teach the generation or the leaders behind you that's coming up to be in those next spots. So they don't make the same mistakes or so they're aware of what to look for. And that is the intent and the goal. And of course, for us leaders who've been doing this thing for a while now, right, who have been leading and changing the world and making so much impact for us, we want to make sure that, again, if we can um, check ourselves, right, you know, they said check yourself before you wreck yourself, right, uh, for those hip-hop fans out there, right, those music fans out there, but the, this is beneficial for us, too, because what it does is it's allowing us to do like a, a check, a self-check to see where we are at, what we are doing. Um, are we growing and developing ourselves? Because it's important that we are growing and developing ourselves and also can recognize, you know, the error of our ways or how we can improve and become better. So anyway, um, let's get into today's message. But first, make sure that you have liked, share, subscribe. You left a review on the podcast that you are sharing this information. Because again, if we want more leaders to be transformed and changed and for them to go out into this world and make great impact, we want to share messages that are going to help them get to the next level. Because again, we want to be leaders that are growing and developing and also share and pass that information along. Because like I always say, individuals, what? Don't typically what? Quit the organization. They what? Quit the leader. So we don't want to be the leaders that people quit. We want to be the leaders that individuals want to stay connected to. And if you'd like to follow me on social media at Miss Aisha Thomas on LinkedIn on and all platforms. And of course, you know, for those that are listening to this audibly, make sure you watch the video podcast version that is on my YouTube. Just search for my name with the number one included. Um, and you can watch it and see these amazing slides in this presentation that I've created for you. So like I mentioned, uh, we have been doing this conversation, really getting to the intrinsic side of leadership. And again, that's important because it, for a lot of us, we're unconsciously navigating the world leadership our day-to-day -day without being fully aware of why we are doing what we're doing. We're connecting with people, we're engaging with people, but again, the reality is we have to make sure that we're showing up effectively. We do. You know, I always tell people I had that eye-opening moment about the development that I needed when my team, you know, some, some years ago were like, ma'am, you're not, you know, there's some issues that we have. You, you need to work on some things. And, you know, that feedback is important because, again, um, we might see ourselves one way, but, you know, that's why they call blind spots blind spots because they're things that we can't see, things that maybe other people see who are not trying to um, critique you in a negative way to cause you harm, but they're trying to or they're giving you feedback because of the fact that they want you to improve. All right. So 
let's do a recap on what we talked about last week. And I think that's important, you know, because as we roll into this next topic, which I really feel is aligned to this intrinsic, I talked about being a secure leader, how we can be a secure leader, how we can create secure teams and really um, be able to be individuals who can create that trust within our organization in order to do that. In order for us to be those leaders that people trust, um, people um, really want to be connected with, it's important that for us, that we have an understanding of how we show up. So we're going to talk about this on the side of emotions. You know, as an emotional intelligence practitioner, that piece is highly important. We need to understand why we show up, why we do what we do. Um, we need to understand so many different things about, you know, us and how our intrinsic uh, wiring, how it affects how we show up with our teams and everywhere else that we touch as leaders. So, you know, the emotional leader is what we're going to be focusing on, right? And you might be already like, what emotion, emotional, like, I don't even think I would want somebody like that on my team. But the reality is, like I always tell when I do trainings, um, coaching, I always tell individuals that we are all emotional. The question is, are the emotions driving you? Or are you driving the emotion? That is the question. All right. Uh, so let's make sure let's look into and let's do a small recap of what we talked about last week. So last week we talked about the main attachment style, the secure, avoided, anxious and disorganized. And the reason why this is important is because if we're not living in that secure space of leadership, just imagine how that shows up in the world and how that shows up in the different spaces and places that we touch. So yes, good with intimacy. So yes, we automatically might think intimacy from a um, romantic standpoint, but when I say intimacy, I'm specifically talking about um, that, that level of connection that we should be making with our teams. That piece is extremely important. We want to be able to connect with our teams. We want to be able to connect in a professional way in a very professional way. So we are um, reaching and connecting with them because the reality is we wanna be able to reach and connect with them um, just, just for a variety of reasons, right? You know, we spend more time with some of our team members that we do with our own families. That's like our second family. So it's gonna be important that we are building that level of connection with them. So that secure leader is, you know, they're good with intimacy. They're good with those connections, right? They are very good with those connections. So, you know, they're good. They're self-sufficient as well, capable of trust. I mean, we need to trust those that we work around. Why? Because again, um, because if we, if we do have that trust with them when it comes to delegating, when it comes to coming and collaborating, that piece is important too, because as we're moving towards that mission and vision execution, we want to be able to, we want to be able to trust them. Right. They also have a positive view of self, confidence and leadership. I mean, it, it really resonates and is needed. So if we can be confident leaders, we'll feel confident in our day to day versus walking around with imposter syndrome, which, again, we have all navigated and really think and, and sometimes thinking as we progress and move around. Do I belong here? Did I do I really deserve this position? Am I good enough? Um, those questions come to mind, but if we can really have a positive view of ourselves, knowing that we're not perfect, but also we are the right person and the right fit, that is extremely important. So outside of being secure, because that's where we want to live, there's the avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. So avoidant, those leaders, 
you know, grew up in spaces. And those, again, this is tied to the, you know, emotional attachment, the the level of attachment that we experience at in our youth, in our infancy. Um, so, you know, there's a short period span of time and depending on how our caregivers, you know, nurtured us, how they responded to our, you know, cries for support, cries for help, cries for food, right? How they responded to us, you know, on that regular basis, it has a big impact of how we show up. So the avoidant leader, uncomfortable with intimacy, connections. They're overly independent, right? So just imagine like they're just taking on all the work and it's like delegate. You need to be able to um, help these other individuals or upcoming leaders also develop and grow. So, you know, asking for help is not something this person does. So when they do need help, they probably show up as a strong leader, right, from the outside, but really they cry, they're stressed out, they do need help. But again, this has a lot to do with that um, specific um, attachment theory or attachment experience that they had in their youth. Can seem distant and cold, positive view of self, right? They have a positive view of themselves, right? So they might not even see that they are navigating leadership in this manner, right? So again, it, it might be like, well, how don't you see it? Right. So self-awareness might lack and, you know, they might not really recognize how this impacts them. But again, with every type of attachment style, remember that this leader has experienced some things. Right. No one is perfect. And the beautiful thing is everyone has an opportunity to grow and develop and get on the other side of that. Next one is the anxious leader seeks excessive intimacy, right? They always want to connect. They always want to do things. And you're like, whoa, give me my space. Like, why are you all up in my zhuzh, right? Why are you all up in the business, right? Um, and they might be have they might have a boundary issue. And again, that has a lot to do with their experience in their youth, right? I don't get the type of support and love or attention I need. So I just, they seek it, they seek it, they seek it, right? And they really want that connection because it does something for them. And it's it's nothing negative. They really want, they really have good motives. However, it excessive is excessive and there needs to be a boundary and they need to fall back from that. Seeks constant reassurance, right? Was this good enough, right? Maybe, you know, they might be self-deprecating, doesn't like to be alone, negative view of self. And disorganized, those disorganized leaders want intimacy, but fears it. They expect to be hurt, fears rejection and negative view of self. And although not too many people live in the disorganized area, some people do. And there are leaders that can make it up high in the ranks. They could be executors, meaning they're executing on the goal, very talented at what they do. But in reality, they are navigating a fear of intimacy. They've been through a lot of trauma, a lot of hurt, a lot of rejection. So they don't want to possibly get even close, you know, uh, to individuals because they fear it. So this is impacting every area that they lead. Every area. But the goal is to become in that safe spot, excuse me, secure area where intimacy is something that, you know, that individual is good at. So you're self-sufficient, capable of trust, positive view of self. You have that good balance. And by doing that, you'll find yourself connecting and reaching those that you are supporting on a day-to-day -day basis. And again, this extends beyond just leading in the workplace. This extends to every, every, every area that we lead and show up in. So that's what we talked about last time. If you haven't watched that episode or listened to it, make sure you go and do that. So let's continue. So as we talk about the emotional leader, right? If your emotional abilities aren't in hand, if you don't have self-awareness, if you are not able to manage your distressing emotions, if you can't have empathy and have an effective relationship and have effective relationships, 
then no matter how smart you are, you are not going to get very far. Now, of course, in leadership, it's not about, you know, where we can get and where we can be and who we are. It's not about, you know, the accolades and so on, you know, although it's benefits, right? We like, you know, like a little money. We like, you know, we like to, um, you know, the, the perks that come with these leadership roles and these opportunities. However, the core of this, understanding your emotions and your abilities to, abilities to manage them and being self-aware, it will benefit you going further. So you can even look at going far as, again, reaching that next peak in your business, reaching that next peak within the company, um, taking the team, you know, towards their goals and where they're trying to go to. So you want to be able to manage those because, again, if, if your emotions are in the driver's seat, it can really cause you know, unintended harm and not necessarily something physical, but it can result in, you know, in things that might not be beneficial or it might not be the result that you were looking for, right? So you want to have empathy. You want to understand your emotions. You want to be able to, because the other side of emotional intelligence and being an emotional leader is understanding the, how people show up and the emotions on other people. And a lot of this work has helped me have an understanding of, you know, the team, my team, right? The different teams I've been on to see further beyond maybe their work performance, see further beyond that response that they had and really like study them so I can have a bit more empathy and understanding and approach them differently, you know, because, and, and we want the same energy back. We want to be able to get that same type of energy back where people are understanding of how and why we show up the way we do as well. So that's why this is important. So if your emotional abilities, again, aren't in hand, if you don't have self-awareness, if you are not able to manage your distressing, emo distressing emotions, if you can't have empathy and have effective relationships, then no matter how smart you are, you are not going to get very far. So how far do you want to get? Our goal is to get as far as possible because as we're moving further, we're taking others with us. But as we're taking others with us, we're having a positive impact on them. That is the goal. Shout out to Daniel Goldman, right? Great, 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 great studies and information and books about emotional intelligence. All right, so let's do a definition of emotions. And we, you know, we've talked about this before, but emotions are, it is a complex psychological state that involves three distinct components. So you have the subjective experience, right? What's happening on the outside, right? Everything that you are experiencing, if you are, you know, on a day-to-day right? We're always constantly having different experiences. So you have that, that aspect of it. Then you have the physiological response, what's happening internally with your nervous system. Because with each emotion, feelings are the physical manifestation of that. So, you know, how does anger look like, right? How does it show up on the outside for you? How does um, sadness show up for you? Disappointment, right? Content, being content. How does that show up for you? Being you know, happy or being ecstatic, all those different things look can look different for every single person. And I always emphasize this over and over again, that we cannot always put a, um, create a story behind how someone is expressing their emotion. Because again, you have, might have someone that their happiness might not be a big grin on their face, but their happiness can look like, you know, something more subtle. And they're just in a good mood, but they're not like this. They're they're just subtle and that's okay. But we don't want to create a dialogue like, man, they're just, just not that happy. They just seem always like just even Steven and that's okay. But 
we don't want to project what we think is happening with the person. We want to hear the stories. We want to understand. We want to learn about those individuals and then we'll know, oh, oh, that person, they're good. They always show up like that. But we have known and learned about them enough to know that, oh, that's how they show up as an individual. It doesn't have to look like everyone else's. And then you have the behavioral or expressive response. Again, now this is the ex um, external response, right? This is the manifestation of the emotion. Like, what well, this is their action now. You know, after they are within the experience, what's happening around them to them, they're having the internal experience, the thoughts are happening, you know, maybe the bodily responses are happening, the smile, the, the grin, the, you know, the whatever you want to call it, but you're seeing all the, oh, maybe they might be sweating or they might be crying or they might turn red or turn, you know, whatever color, you know, um, this is now, and then now they respond. This is the response to that experience or what they're thinking, right? What they're feeling now, right? So that's what emotions are. It's a lot deeper than just what we have been told, right? We're redefining what emotions are. So remember that it is a complex physiological state that involves three components of subjective experience, the physiological response, and then also the behavioral and expressive response, which can be in words or actions or both. All right. Wait a second. Just had to take a quick pause because I wanted to check in with you. Has the information you received on this podcast, on the series of podcasts, or even the information that I provide right here, is it been beneficial to you in any way? And are you like, you know what, that's an area that is a blind spot, an area that I need to work on. It's something that I really need to pay attention to. Well, I want you to take a minute and do what? Schedule a consultation. Let's get you to that next level because as leaders, the more growth and development that, that we invest within ourselves, it reaps benefits within our teams, within our organization, and ultimately is going to support that big mission that we have. Because remember, like I always say, individuals don't typically quit the organization, they typically quit the leader, they typically quit the culture. And if we wanna be change makers, we wanna be leaders who set trends, we have to grow and develop. So make sure you connect with me. You can email me at info at AishaThomas.org or you can go to my website, AishaThomas.org, A-I-S-H-A-C-H, omas.org and schedule a consultation so we can get you to the level where people want to be connected to you versus move away. So go do it now. Don't wait any longer. Schedule that consultation now. Talk to you soon. So let's look at some stats, right? So, you know, a lot of us are navigating work-life balance. A lot of us are navigating, okay, COVID and all these different things that we've experienced, but how has that impacted you? So 66% of full-time employees in America do not have a work-life balance. That's a lot, right? And of course, when studies happen, it's a you know certain volume of ind individuals that do it. So, but the re reality, a lot of people don't have that balance or that rhythm. You know, again, I always talk about rhythm. Shout out to Coach Kendall Thicklin. 60% uh, blame their bosses for work-life imbalance, right? Blame it on their bosses. But in the reality, I said this before when I did a training that, we have a certain level of control. No one can pressure us into, um, you know, into these things. So we can truly say, you know what, if I see an imbalance, let me make some adjustments, right? You know, even if it requires a transition or, you know, a transition might not necessarily be leaving the organization, but it might be just looking at your schedule. It might be going to another department. It might be aligning yourself to the right space and place that kind of fits more of your talents and your gifts or what you're looking for as far as a balance, 
right? So less than 12 hours, Americans spend less than 12 hours on leisure and personal care, right? Less than 12 hours a week, excuse me, on leisure or personal care, right? You know, I've definitely <laughs> aimed to improve that number for myself. And it, it's really reaped a lot of benefits to have more of that me time or more fun time and more time to really just experience joy. I said men spend more time on work and work-related activities than women. So even demographically, right, there might be certain populations that do less, you know, work-life rhythm than others. And it could be a multitude of in, intrinsic things that you might not know the story behind that person, why they quote unquote grind or work as hard as they do. And that's why it's important for us to learn these things as we are growing and developing as leaders. Like, why is someone so always working? Like, why they didn't never take the day off? You know, I urge my team, like, take those days off. I don't, you know, my goal is to, hey, you need your time off. I want you to take your time off because they work very, very hard. So this is how, you know, some people and individuals are navigating their day-to-day. -day. And us leaders need to know this. We need to know this so we can support those individuals effectively. 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 So where do you land in these areas? Really think about that. When you think about your team, who, do, who can you think of that stands out in this area? Have you reviewed their leave recently? And you're like, you know what, let's have an off day or you go ahead, head out. And some people really do feel guilty about taking the day off, but we need it. You know what else we need? I need you to like, share, subscribe, make sure that you have left some type of comment or a review. It's important. All right, let's keep going. I just had to throw that out there. So Let's continue. Let's continue to move forward. Now, as we continue to explore this, what are some sources of emotional burnout? And the reason why this is to me is connected to those attachment styles, because again, even though as leaders that have grown, developed, even as leaders who have, you know, done a lot of work on ourselves, it is easy for our emotions to go back into the driver's seat and we can get burnt out as well, or our team members can. And depending on how they respond might be related to, okay, some of the residue of those attachment styles, or maybe, you know, because of a multitude of different things, but we want to really, again, that security and that confidence, right, that we're looking for, we need to also really pay attention to what we're doing on a day-to-day, -day, on a week-to-week, -week, month by month, that could be a source to the burnout that we are seeing or experiencing ourselves. So some of the questions that you know, I have had a group of individuals reflect on that I want you to is why do I do so much? Where did that come from? Where did this idea that you have to do everything, be everything, show up for everything, you know, wh where did that come from? And it might not even be everything, but it might be, you know, at least five days a week of stuff or at least four days a week. It's just a constant, you know, taking on different things. Why is that? How does it make you feel when you say no? How does it make you feel when you put it down? Where is the source of that? Ask those questions because there's going to be some reframing that's needed in order for us to get to the other side of rhythm. Because if we're taking on too much, it's going to be, uh, we're going to get burnt out, period. It's going to happen. So why do you do so much? The next question, what, where did that mindset come from? right? Out of did in there. Where did that? All right. Where did that mindset come from? Where did it come from? 
Was it from family? You know, I come from a migrant family. Working hard was what they were all about. But again, I always tell individuals, they left everything that they had to start a new life in a new country, in a new place that wasn't their home. It was different. So what is the cause of it? Like why, you know, where did that come from? Was it come from, again, um, a lot of the things that we see and we're navigating on a day-to-day basis, it comes from some of the things that we experience and unconsciously we've deposited this in our mind that this is what, um, how you show up looks like. So you think that you have to do everything and be everything, but that's not the reality. Why do you feel guilty if you don't? If you say no, why do you feel guilty? Is it because people are making you feel guilty? Is it because of you identifying that as well? Because again, if people make you feel guilty for saying no or creating boundaries, those are might be relational relationships that you need to revisit. Should I continue on with this group of friends or group of colleagues, right? Or is there a conversation we need to have about burnout and rhythm and finding and creating a culture of rhythm? Is it a people-pleasing behavior? Is that why you do it? Because you don't think that they'll like you or because, you know, the relationships mean so much to you, which is a great thing. But again, if you have those awesome relationships, you can have those conversations if you say no, or you can say no and they can understand, you know what, I can't because of X, Y, and Z. Is it because I have a survivor and not a living mindset? And I talk about this a lot because a lot of people have been through a lot of things financially. People have been through things that has put them in some very tough situations or spots, or this might be, man, the first job that you've had in X amount of time, or you finally had this great opportunity. And it's like, you know, you're like, I have to show up this way because I haven't had a you know job in for so long and I, I don't want to lose it. So I'm, a, I'm never going to say no. So I don't get fired. And that might not even be a fact, right? What, what, filter is that coming from? I'm in this great program and it talks about like a trauma filter and the truth, right? So some of us are making decisions based off of this filter we've created that doesn't have truth in it. It's just from that fear from those experiences that we've been through. It could been, it, it, excuse me, it's from, you know, being in spaces where maybe you didn't, you weren't financially stable or you were in a situation where there were so many ups and downs in the home. So it's like, I'm doing all this and I keep moving forward and not taking a break because of this story I'm telling myself, which is in fact, but you're surviving. Like I gotta survive. I have to make sure I can make this, but you need to live and living requires balance or rhythm, right? That rhythm. What is the root that has developed this fruit? Like I've been saying, the why behind it. What is the what? Is it a fact? How can you make adjustment? And what are you trying to prove? Are you trying to prove something to someone? Are you trying to protect something, hide something, or defend something? What is the source? And where did it come from? What is the root to it? And asking these questions are going to allow you to understand why you push yourself so much, why you do all those things that you do. Create boundaries even for yourself. And it's going to be awkward in the beginning. It's going to be like, this is weird (laughs) because you're used to always achieving, achieving, accomplishing, accomplishing. But there has to be a point where you pause and just rest. Yes, it's okay to rest. Resting is a part of the grind. 
right? You know, they always say like, don't move on an empty tank or that's true. We're pouring out, but we're not pouring in. We have to pour back in so we can continue to pour out. So we can have that like, you know, nice flow going, right? A rhythm. So what is your source? And what is the source of it? What is that source? So how can we normalize emotions? You know, one of the big things I always talk about is self-reflection, but normalizing emotions, normalizing these thoughts are so important. You know, we have this idea that emotions are bad and, you know, you have all kinds of perspectives about things, but the reality is that it is so much more to what you think, right? So are you afraid of conflict? Why am I afraid of, again, these are more why questions. What makes me uncomfortable after, about sharing how I feel, right? Or saying, you know what? I don't really feel that great. I need some time off. And that's okay. And yes, we want to navigate a world that might find it's taboo, but it's not about them. It's about the reality and the truth that you have learned so you can support yourself more. How does not being able to share your emotions affect you mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Holding things in, for me, holding things in is, it's literally like physically, I can feel it. It's like, I feel so tense, so stress, anxiety, but once I can get it out, have a conversation, resolve it, even though resolution might not be necessarily in my favor, right? But it might be in the right favor of how things have to proceed. But how does it affect you? Has, um, how has a lack of emotional boundaries affected you? What did you learn about healthy communication is how I communicate healthy. Because on the other side of this, by us creating this rhythm, right, reducing this burnout, we too have to communicate it, communicate the boundaries, communicate whatever is necessary so we can bound. Again, we don't want to live in like a, you know, man-made cell, right? But we want to be able to have it, you know, I, I love the example I've gotten. I forgot who I, I got this to. It's like, you don't want to like literally build like a cage around you. But it's like, you know, having an alarm system, like having a, some zones, like, okay, you can cross that, right? Just, you know, <laughs> I turn my alarm on at certain times of the day, right? And I can turn it right off and still walk out the door and not worry about it going off. Like there are certain, again, um, boundaries that you can create that doesn't turn into like a wall that you have all around you and no one can access. And am I emotionally driven? Again, is your emotions driving you or are you driving the emotions? Because if we let our emotions drive us, my goodness, the decisions we're making, the interactions we're having, they're not going to be as fruitful as we're we would like it to be. So really consider, are your emotions driving or are you driving? These are some things I really want us to think about leaders. So many good questions to reflect on. So many things to consider when you're thinking about your team members. And I really want you all to take time. I really want you all to take time to identify these areas. It's so important that you are doing that. So important. You know, again, we want to normalize emotions. We want to understand that there is a benefit in being emotional, right? But again, well, let me say that in another way. It's a benefit being emotional. It's a benefit in being emotionally intelligent, right? And understanding what they are, the different variations of emotions and really managing them and understanding it from the perspective of empathy and understanding of others where now you can now create a culture of understanding the importance and the value of emotion 
null intelligence. That's extremely important. So as you reflect on those questions, as you think about it, please message me. I would love to see what your responses are because the goal is for us to be those leaders that can truly make that positive impact, change cultures, and to continue to grow and develop individually. All right? So make sure you guys stay tuned for the next episode. I'm going to have a special guest on. I'm really excited, right? A special guest for you guys to check out. Great conversation that we had that's related to self-awareness. Because a lot of the conversation that we're talking about now is about becoming more self-aware as leaders. Because the more self-aware we are, we'll know how we show up. Blind spots, areas we can grow and develop. Our talents and gifts, areas we can maximize on and utilize for us to get the results we're looking like. So it's not all about, okay, blind spots. You know, all the, what you want to call negative, right? And again, these are negative things. These are things that are just helping us become more aware and helping us know where we need to grow on grow in the areas we need to grow in. But on the flip side, this also helps us what? Show up more effectively. We also have talent and and gifts and things that we too need to be aware of because by understanding that, that is going to allow us to maximize in those gifts and talents. And also now we can, now that we know ourselves, now I can really see and support others. Because again, even on the other side, for some of us, we're so focused on others instead of ourselves. All right. So I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure that again, you let me know you enjoyed it. Share this to another leader that might see a benefit in this, right? Like, share, and subscribe. Make sure you, again, audio folks, listen, listen closely. Come here. Make sure you watch the video version of this so you can see, like I said, this great presentation. And as always, if you need a support, if you need to connect with me, I'm on um, all social media platforms at Miss Aisha Thomas at Miss Aisha Thomas used to see it, you know, pop up. <laughs> and in addition to that, if you are interested in consulting for your staff, because again, emotional management is something needed in this season. You know, I always talk about COVID and how it like just really ripped the veil and allowed us to understand like, okay, as far as development, we need to understand what's happening intrinsically as well. So big kudos to those organizations that are doing that. And as always, what do I say? Individuals don't typically quit the organization. They typically quit the leader. Let's change that. Let's be those leaders who set trends. I'll see you guys next time. Ta-ta.